0: The Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We are Doing a preview today of the Los Angeles Rams coming to town to play your Arizona Cardinals. Uh, We'll kind of talk about the complete perspective, the past history. uh, But we'll start off the show at least looking at the second NFL team in the Valley now. Uh, We'll be able to break down all of this as well as talk a little bit about uh, what the Cardinals will look like if they do end up uh, dropping this game, as well as some of the implications if they win. Here to talk about all of that in today's show with me is my co-host, the venerable John Venerable. And uh, John, before we talk about the Niners coming to uh, essentially the Phoenix market for the time being, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Blake. I've I'm off my soapbox. I'm done sulking, and I'm I'm anxious to to get this game. I wish it was Sunday right now, and, and I've avoided major media platforms and, and I haven't been online all that often this week outside of Twitter with Cardinal Faithful. I mean, we, we need a W this weekend. And so I'm hopeful they need to come out of this uh, this little period with a win and hopefully they'll be motivated following last week's disappointing loss to New England.
0: Uh, let's talk a bit about the uh, San Francisco 49ers uh, right now with the Uh, Lining up as far as with the California teams that are there, you kind of are in the middle of a pickle with them being in that San Francisco area. Uh, That spot, at least, is not only no any type of um, sporting event attendance, but now there's not even sporting teams that are allowed to be outside of practice in groups there in that Northern California section. It hasn't really affected um, teams like the Los Angeles Rams nor the Los Angeles Chargers, But uh, for San Francisco, they just were not able to essentially practice and play. And so uh, what you look at is Arizona opened up their stadium to be able to host uh, University of Phoenix Stadium. Uh, the NFL also, maybe wisely, did not ever have an op- option where the Niners and Cardinals were playing during the same time slot. Uh, the only time that they do actually play in the same time slot is, of course, when they play each other, which comes up in a few weeks um. So it is interesting. They're still, you know, practicing outdoors, kind of are in hotels. A lot of the players, at least ultimately, are kind of going through the same COVID protocols I did before, but now they're doing it out of hotels versus at home. Uh, all of their kind of flights and travel is probably going to be <laughs> having a team jet, at least, over at the Sky Harbor International Airport, is my guess. And uh, John, this is kind of going to be interesting. I know Kyle Shanahan talked about the mental state of players and how you're not able to kind of play or practice in your element. It's it's very different i don't know if you can talk as much about like the impact that it's going to have necessarily on the team or the game but it is just an interesting kind of facet and with these times of COVID and adjusting and you know Niners go to one part of the country that is open and so now you're kind of sharing a building with them and a <laughs> the result and not sure if that means they're going to be in your home locker rooms or how that's going to even work but uh, what are some of your thoughts at least about how the Niners are essentially right now an Arizona team and, and that result you have a division rival a little bit closer than ever
1: yeah I think you know it just it's par for the course with this year twenty twenty it's it's so unpredictable again, we say this seemingly every week, but we're just we feel fortunate just to have sports and and to have football and they had to make the right decision for them to be able to continue playing because of the the regulations that have been set forth in california um so or specifically in San francisco so um I have no issue with it. Um, I, I, you know, for a division rival, I I can't say enough good things about the job, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, who I do think are slightly overrated. Um, This year, in particular, keeping that team competitive, um, winning games without the majority of their elite players, elite-level players, and their good players. I mean, they're out of Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Richard Sherman's missed time. They've lost multiple offensive linemen. Um, you know their defensive line has been gutted. I mean it's it's a it's a brutal reality that they've faced. And I mean they've won one less game than the Cardinals. And they're they're going to be in a position where they're playing games away from their their stadium indefinitely. I think it would mean more Blake if fans were a factor this year. or They're not. Um, I, I don't think there's much of a home field advantage right now. We'll talk about L.A. coming to town this weekend. I I, I think outside of just lengthy travel across country most of it's a a moot point um because when you can't feed off the energy of a crowd i don't think it makes much of a difference i think the cardinals benefited from that when they were having to go to Levi stadium earlier this year and, and and came out victorious so um i i don't think it's a huge deal i'm glad that they're able to to do it in a safe manner um and i just i hope that that cardinal game against san francisco at the end of the year it means very little, and the Cardinals have locked up a postseason spot because if if there is some playoff juice to that game, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan and those guys will be ready and they'll be in a position where they don't have to travel and they can just, you know, essentially be Phoenix residents, Arizona residents until after the season's over. But um, I, I just, I think it's, it's I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and I didn't give it another thought because of the climate of which we're, I mean, we just watched this, baltimore pittsburgh game get pushed back for days on end and be played on a wednesday afternoon and it's just like yeah that's how this year's going so um i i wish them well unless they play arizona and um you just you you feel for the the players having to be isolated from their family but it's not similar to what the nba players had to do with the bubble and that was i think like months on end when that was was that was being played and this is really just for the home stretch of the season so Interesting, but i i don't have I don't give it too much thought at this point because I think just if this was a situation in which, you know, they they didn't have their home fans and all this other stuff was being factored into it and it was a regular normal year, uh, I think it would be a much bigger story. But I I think it's the results going to be very minimal outside of you know players missing their families, which is difficult.
0: Yeah, the uh, it would be different at least to see a, a whole lot of Niners fans there for those home games. Uh, it's got week 13 and 14 at least. I believe one of those is actually going to be uh, against the Bills. And then the um, – I'll have to look up and see what the other one is for that one that they've got left. It's against the – oh, I think it's Washington actually. So, yeah, it's the Washington football team at least for that with 13 and 14. And that's a Monday night game. You've got a Sunday afternoon game. And then after that, essentially they're on the road for the uh, next two weeks. One of those, ironically enough, will be a new kind of home game in Arizona Stadium. And then we've got no word on that week 17 game yet. Um, Essentially, due to uh, Santa Santa Clara County, uh, all contact sports banned uh, 14-day quarantine for anyone traveling into the area from over 150 miles away. So essentially, not only is a no-contact sports thing there, they have a 14-day quarantine. Um, We've seen the CDC advocate about 10 days or so, but anything outside of about five or seven days or so is just not going to be workable with an NFL schedule this year. Um, The NFL is trying to avoid having a week 18 as of now, and so it's at least nice that the Cardinals were able to um, open up. It's interesting that the schedule kind of lined up almost perfectly for that, and we'll end up seeing, John, Uh, what are your thoughts on if this is going to turn into a playoff bubble-type situation? I mean, we just got done with a Steelers-Ravens game that was delayed for who knows how many times at least, uh, unofficially even. They finish that game, you end up having kind of your second and third string quarterbacks come in. It's just been kind of a rough season for the most part. We at least are still seeing the Cardinals are going to possibly be missing one of their key players still, which we'll talk about. Uh, In a little bit coming into this week, what are some of your thoughts at least about if the NFL is going to be able to jump into a bubble? What's that going to look like as far as playoff atmosphere? Are they going to have you know set standards for the teams out there? If a team like you know San Francisco gets into the playoffs, like are are they going to have to host a home playoff game in Arizona of all things? Like there's a lot that still I think has to be determined, and so far at least the NFL, it's been. Kind of interesting, at least, as far as for how they're kind of just taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, I'll be very curious to figure out what the aspects will be, especially if you're talking about, you know, Arizona with the current restrictions is not really even going to be able to have any fans at all. So it kind of right. throws a lot of these home field advantage things out the window, and then it's not even to go without saying how the NFC has just looked, you know, not to say trash this year, it's been strong and very dominant for the top teams, but it's been weak in terms of no one dominant team has really emerged. Now, maybe that changes with the additions that the San Francisco Seahawks, or sorry, the Seattle Seahawks are making today. Yeah. Um, we can talk about for the future at the end of the show but right now John I think it's more of just a question of what is any playoff picture going to look like if the Cardinals make it and that's kind of an if at this point because at six and five it's no guarantee um, with these games that they have left to play
1: I think that the the hottest team at the end of the season has the best chance to, to exit the NFC I think the AFC is dominated by Kansas City until further notice. I wouldn't want any part of playing the Chiefs, but I think the NFC, I mean, if if the Buccaneers got hot, if if Seattle's riding a five game winning streak, I mean it just who's got momentum and who's playing the best football? Because like you mentioned, Blake, so many times we've seen certain teams limp into the postseason and they rely on that home field advantage to kind of lift them up. I mean, like, I would not be afraid to play New Orleans, of course, at the Superdome with no fans. Seattle's not the same team without the 12th man. We've talked about that before. I mean, it's it's going to be one of the most intriguing postseasons in recent memory. Not only because there's no fans present, you would you would assume, or if there were, it'd be very minimal. But in combination with that increased wild card game and the number two seed not getting a buy, I mean, it's it's going to be really fun. Assuming we get a postseason that goes off without a hitch, seeing who emerges, and um, that that to me is all the more. <laughs> incentive for the Cardinals to to try and scratch and claw their way into the postseason because we've seen with this Cardinal team they can play with anybody I think we felt like earlier in the year when they're humming and Kyler's playing his game I I said this on the last pod they can beat anybody in the NFL outside of Kansas City I just think they're too limited defensively to even put up a fight against Kansas City um and then you know offensively I we they could score but I just think it would be too difficult. But I think outside of that, certainly anybody in the NFC, on a given night when the Cardinals are playing their best football, and they would be kind of a dangerous dangerous team to catch fire and, and be playing with confidence heading into a playoff with so much uncertainty, I, I would feel excited about them being able to upset a, a team or two. And, you know, I was listening the other day on, on a specific podcast or radio station and just talking about, well, Tampa's got no shot because they're going to have to go on the road three times. I mean that that literally means nothing this year. Just assuming New Orleans wins the South, any team. I, I just unless you're getting the buy, unless you're getting the number one overall seed and you only have to play two games to get to the Super Bowl. I I don't think unless you want to just consider the NFC East uh, a potential buy and you're the five seed and you get the East at the four. I I just think it's 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 very minimal and you just it's so cliche but they say this in baseball all the time too you just you play it you win and you get in you just kind of see what happens i i think that's never been more relevant now um and for a cardinal team that i think is going to have to kind of scratch and claw to get in but i if you're asking me today on on december 3rd when we're recording this i do think they still get in so I, I would give them a shot to, to pull off an upset or two just because of if they get in, that means Kyler Murray's playing good football, and that's all the team needs really to win at the end of the day. So um, I, I think the NFC is as wide open as in recent memory, but I unfortunately think that a team up in Seattle, is. if you had to ask me today who I thought would represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, it would probably be the Seahawks.
0: Biggest thing I think that's tough to see is with uh, the MVP race this year. Like you said, essentially it's been kind of Mahomes doing whatever Mahomes normally does. Has just been head and shoulders ahead of everyone else. So uh, that's been something that's been fascinating to be able to look at and see how that will break down. Because, um, you know, like in the AFC, like you said, uh, you got an undefeated Steelers team. But Ben has just not looked like his regular self. The Chiefs have just basically kind of been their own worst enemy as far as the, any of the losses that they've dropped Uh, Maybe the only reason that prevents them from kind of making another run would be them holding it back. And in the uh, NFC here, you're talking about the LA Rams as we shift to moving to them. They currently, at least, John, and this has been kind of interesting, they are uh, essentially retooling with, um, in some ways, a new identity from what they've had in the past. In other ways, it's been kind of the same identity since Sean McVay took over in 2017, uh, the new identity essentially comes from they moved on from Wade Phillips. They moved to a new defensive uh, head coach, I should say, defensive coordinator, with an offensive head coach in Sean McVay. Um, where they've really kind of had the most bread and butter has been um, that defense being able to generate takeaways and being an exceptionally strong passing defense uh, overall. As far as for what their season looks, they've been um, elite, and part of that is just due to the fact they've got Jalen Ramsey, who is their off-season addition. The Rams on offense have been – they started off as maybe, someone would say, the most complete team in the NFL uh, as far as for looking at it. But really, they're not a team that puts up a ton as far as with um, yards per game. They're behind the Cardinals in yards per game. Cardinals put up about 400 to 389. So that's your top two offensive team versus, you know, top six, top five offensive team where they've been very good overall, at least in that aspect. Um, has been without – despite losing Todd Gurley – um they've been a very good rushing team overall john uh the rams at least have been top 10 uh in the rush and they've also been top 10 in the past uh, i think i should say top 12 versus in the past very very solid what they really do well ultimately is they get up big in the first half with explosive plays And then they run the ball in the second half to ram it down your throat. In that sense, it's similar to the Cardinals. The only difference, I think, at least, John, is they're not quite the rushing team that they have been in the past. You look at how Todd Gurley was, you know, like premier, maybe top two running back in the NFL at one point, and he wasn't, too. Now they've shifted to much more of a running back by committee approach. You're talking about they drafted Cam Akers in the second round. They've got Van Jefferson has been a rookie that was the guy they acquired with the Texans pick. Uh, If you recall, the Texans traded for Brandon Cooks uh, with that pick the Arizona Cardinals gave them. The uh, Rams were able to bring in a, a decent route runner who kind of fits that style that they run. Uh, The defense has been ultimately, John, their identity this season. They are a team that's only allowing 300 offensive yards per game. And most of that, honestly, is that they've had a great rush defense. They're giving up less than 100 rushing yards per game. That's top five in the NFL. And that really is kind of impressive when you talk about how, when you look at the Rams being a top 10 to 12 team on offense in passing Mm -hmm. and rushing, and also being a top five team in passing and rushing, that probably puts them at least as one of the most dangerous teams in the league now the question then of course being all right if the rams are so good at all of this why is it that they're not you know like this eight and four team or like this um you know, overly dominant team. And a lot of that comes down to the play of Jared Goff as a quarterback and their issues that they have had overall on the offensive line. It's been hot or miss all season long, John. We can talk a bit more as far as with Goff and some of the ratings and especially the game plans of teams that have been effective because when he stumbles, it's not like he trips and falls. It's like essentially he just face plants (laughs) and takes damage. What are you seeing at least from Goff this season? Because it's almost this tale of two quarterbacks that we have that the Cardinals we will be facing on Sunday, and you don't really know which guy you're going to get.
1: Well, I know what I've gotten from Jared Goff since Sean McVay arrived when he's played the Arizona Cardinals, and that's a quarterback that's basically been flawless. I mean, they, I, I don't think we can have this conversation without first discussing the fact that the Cardinals have never beaten Sean McVay. Goff was horrendous his rookie season, but since then in 2016, Sean McVay has just utterly embarrassed the Arizona Cardinals. And that, I mean, like, we, we can't have this discussion without breaking that down. And so anything that I see from them this year has to be taken with a caveat that the Cardinals are trying to exercise some demons with, Sam, with, with this Rams team. That's not to say they can't beat them, but, you know, looking back on, I mean, Goff over his last month of play, Blake, you just mentioned it, in four games, they're two and two thrown six picks to four touchdowns. I mean, would it surprise anybody if he came into this game and threw four touchdowns in this game, knowing that the history he has against this defense it wouldn't shock me. Now, what I will say is that the Cardinals are better than they were defensively a year ago, um, and Goff lit them up in that first meeting after the bye, but the second meeting was, was relatively close, but the Rams, like the Cardinals, didn't have much to play for and it was a closer loss, and and Kyler Murray maybe like in this game was was somewhat limited with a hamstring. So let's put that out of the way. My opinion on Jared Goff is is consistent that he's kind of a poor man's Matt Ryan, but certainly good enough to win with. Um, I do think that the the loss of Andrew Whitworth is going to be felt more and more as the week goes on, and you're starting Joe Noteboom, and where Goff is at his best is working off of that run play action getting outside the pocket boot legs he's not a mobile quarterback but it's when the offense is working at its best he's got that running game going where he can sit back and throw darts the Cardinals want to get the Rams in a position where they stymie the run enough and it's going to be difficult because they're they're limited as you know Blake on the defensive line currently to stymie the runs on first and second down and get Goff in a position where he's uncomfortable and that's when the takeaways happen now, they've got a group of receivers that is as good as anybody in the NFL. Woods and, and Cooper Cup are, are phenomenal. They routinely burn this Cardinal team. And then, you know, like you mentioned it, they don't have a Gurley in his prime, but Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, all very capable. Uh, Daryl Henderson, I should say. And Tyler Pigmy has burned the Cardinals historically. So I, I, I don't think it would shock anybody for this Rams team to wake up offensively and put up 30 points. With that being said, the Cardinals have an advantage offensively if, if their unit is humming. The real shock to me, Blake, like you mentioned, it is just the, goodness, the, the jump in defensive play that we've seen, and I thought after they parted with Wade Phillips after the end of last year, this unit would take a step back. They lost some, some key players, yet they bring in a guy like Leonard Floyd from Chicago who is a castaway. He's got seven sacks for them. Jalen Ramsey, for that bounty of multiple firsts that they gave up, I thought was lunacy. He's played... Like the best corner in football this year, and you you think about that's the kind of move the Cardinals kind of need to make this coming off season. So, um, and then their defensive line, Aaron Donald's the best defender in football. Michael Brockers has played well, so they've got speed and athleticism at every level. So it's probably not the best week for for Kyler Murray to come in somewhat limited. The Cardinals really not finding themselves offensively. It's going to be difficult to do that against this this Ram defense. But what I will say is that the Cardinals match up with this team better, I think, than a lot of the the offenses that the Rams have faced. So what I mean by that is, you know, you watch this Ram defense tee off against the likes of Tom Brady on Monday Night Football, and you're thinking, man, how are the Cardinals going to put points up? But I, I just think that this Rams defense looks better against those kind of quarterbacks, the mobile QB or immobile QBs, the stand in the pocket. If Kyler is able to beat Kyler Murray, and run around and do what he does i mean this team has lost to the niners twice who like to run the football but they also like their quarterbacks to move a little bit nick mullins has looked athletic and their one outing and jimmy garoppolo actually ran wild against san francisco the first, or excuse me uh la the first meeting they got destroyed by josh allen and the bills they only lost by three but josh allen had a, a huge day running the football and then they actually also lost to tua But that was thanks to a couple defensive touchdowns. They beat Seattle a couple weeks ago when their defense was humming. But I I do think there is an opportunity. If you look at their game specifically, Blake, against San Francisco, that was a game that San Francisco dominated from start to finish. I think the Niners have won like four or five straight over McVay. Nick Mullins didn't throw a touchdown, but they ran the ball effectively with Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Debo Samuel had a really big game, 11 for 133. So, I mean, Hopkins should be able to get his in this game. I'm just, I'm concerned of what we've seen from this Cardinal team in recent weeks where just Cliff has just been overwhelmed from a coaching standpoint against Belichick and Pete Carroll, and, and nobody would argue Sean McVay is a top seven to 10 NFL coach, head coach. So can Cliff and Vance put together a game plan against a very savvy coaching staff led by McVay? That is my biggest issue, and when, when we don't have a coaching advantage, Blake, we have to rely on Kyler Murray to be special, and is he healthy right now, healthy enough to be special. He can't just be good for the Cardinals to win. We've seen that. He's got to be rolling out of the pocket, making wild plays, making moves with his feet. Um, I, I do think he'll play better this week than, than he did against New England, but that's why that New England game was so frustrating because you needed to be able to come into this game at 7-4 and four and 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 have some of that pressure off and now the pressure's dial up to 100 so you do not avoid you can avoid falling to six and six um you know i i i just think that it's it's a tall task because the rams are also coming off a loss you know they're going to be uber focused and they historically don't lose two games in a row so the the cardinals are working against some history here i know they get them in arizona but again like we mentioned earlier home field advantage means very little the rams have not lost two in a row this year you're gonna to have to come out and make a statement and just blanketly say our quarterback and this is what they've they failed to do this last week and earlier this year games in which the cardinals have a have a quarterback advantage they should be able to make teams pay they had an advantage against Detroit. It didn't matter. Against Carolina, it didn't matter. Against Miami, it didn't matter. Against New England, it didn't matter. You have to be able to come out and say, our quarterback is so much more electric and talented than Jared Goff. If this is a, truly a quarterback league, we should be able to win this matchup. But there's just so much more that goes into it. And so, you know, I'd like to pick the Cardinals to win this game. I don't think they're going to because I don't think they're playing well enough right now, Blake.
0: I feel like that's the big difference. If you could tell me ahead of the game that the Cardinals game plan will essentially be designed around, you know, the first and foremost, say, all right, we're going to make sure that we're disciplined in our run game and tackling, make sure that we can stop that approach. And then being able to tailor a bit of these blitz plays where you're able to essentially get pressure on Jared Goff while playing solid coverage on the likes of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And uh, let's be honest, the way that the Rams offense has worked is very similar in a lot of regards to the Patriots in terms of having guys who are widely veterans, who make great routes as far as for the running, are able to make some of these tough catches. And essentially, when you're talking about guys who just know how to get open, that really is Robert Woods and Cooper Cup in a nutshell, and even especially Cup He gets yards after the catch so well. He's very elusive. There's times where you look at how they can just be able to, you know, give him as kind of like a get out of jail free card for Goff, and he can pick up, you know, six or seven extra yards or break a tackle for a big play. That's one of the things I think the Cardinals need to really key in on this week is recognizing that um, Jared Goff under pressure and Jared Goff outside of pressure are two different things. And what Sean McVay tries to do is he designs his offenses so that, Goff is not under pressure. He does, like you talked about, the bootlegs, rolling out a lot of the play action. Now, Goff has struggled with play action the past couple of weeks, and uh, I did want to kind of go over some of these game splits here, John, because this is something that would be a narrative if you're a Cardinals fan who's like, you know, assuming the worst, looking at three in a row. I don't think that that's one of those things that's a foregone outcome, partially because of how much the, the Rams have struggled the past few weeks. You look at how they opened their season, John, and you look at what their schedule was, And it's very interesting because what we thought about the Rams coming into this season and looked at their schedule, thought, all right, they'll maybe take a step back. You know, what do they have on the offensive line? Who do they have at running back? What we've seen instead is that they played a lot of cakewalk teams to start the season. They played the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Washington football team, plus a pretty rattled Niners team and the Bears. That's been their schedule up until the last four weeks, John. They had probably one of the easiest, if not the easiest, schedule in the nfl the teams that they did play in that regard they played the bills that was a loss they played the niners even when they were hampered they got that was a loss and they played the miami dolphins who as we know as arizona cardinals fans are essentially a playoff team and one of the more difficult teams to play the last four weeks they've then gone up against the likes of the nfc west and other playoff teams and the splits have been very different let me read some of these off to you so Four games before the last four games. so You're talking about, all right, this is the games against the Giants, the Niners, the Bears, and Washington. Jared Goff was seven touchdowns with two interceptions, throwing for about 231 yards a game. And he had a, um, I should say at least, it looks like as far as the uh, quarterback rating of 62-88 uh 41 and 82 or 72 i should say so it's like okay that's like kind of a little bit up and down some teams that are there are right, it's fine the last four weeks john it has been night and day jared goff has four touchdowns to six interceptions and during that time the team has just struggled his quarterback rating has been nine 52 83 and 10 so we're talking about when you look at the quarterback play, they're getting out of Jared Goff, it's night and day. And so it's like, okay, so how much of this is Jared Goff and the Rams, and maybe similar to the Cardinals, they're beating up on bad teams. And then when they play the good teams and when he's under pressure, he really struggles. Uh, Pro Football Focus, I think, had the most interesting stats this year uh, as far as the gap. Uh, Kyler Murray, as far as when he's under pressure, uh, we can kind of talk about how – you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but overall, the biggest difference is that he's been putting up about uh 88 or so passing grade when not under pressure. His passing grade when it's under pressure is about 59. Now, what's tough about this, John, is they don't really have any type of scramble, or it's it's hard to assign a rushing grade to a quarterback who, when he's under pressure, he takes off and gets positive yardage. It's, it's one of those things that they just don't have graded, but they do have one for Jared Goff, which is he goes from an 88 when he's not under pressure, to a 29 grade. So we're essentially talking about a quarterback who is bottom of the league when he's under pressure. And I think that's the key to this game, John. If the Cardinals are going to make the Rams pay, it comes in with this kind of a game plan. You stop the run up front. The Rams offense, as we've seen, play much, much better when they can run the football and Goff doesn't have to throw. If he throws for, you know, 230 yards a game, the Rams can still put at points. I think you'll be in trouble. The biggest thing on the other end is if you can force him under pressure, he'll throw you the ball. That's what's really we've seen in the past few weeks. So what that means, I think, John, is that the Cardinals are going to have to come up with a game plan that's able to run on the Rams, which has been difficult. You know, they've been a, a top team as far as stopping the run this year, be able to run on the Rams, be able to take advantage of the fact that you're probably going to win some, lose some with DeAndre Hopkins and with the likes of Jalen Ramsey you're probably not going to have Larry Fitzgerald again. He, he still has not been activated from the COVID-19 protocol. And at this rate, if the Cardinals, I think what the what the crux of it really hangs on John is the offense has to be able to put up points. And I think in that regard, you have to be able to let Kyler run and be able to take advantage of some of these scrambles because Aaron Donald with how upfront he gets he, you're you're gonna have to double team him sometimes you double team him and chip him you're gonna have to design a game plan that is not able to put Kyler under pressure to able to keep him clean and be able to keep that threat of an explosive play down the field in check and I think that's where you hope that the likes of Dan Arnold or Andy Isabella can step up because if the Cardinals are not able to get those big plays and it turns into a war of attrition I think that you're gonna end up struggling at least if the Rams can keep clean and keep Goff away from you know, throwing you the ball. That's where I think, John, this is going to be a game where I'm not really sure of which way it could go. What I'm pretty sure is I think the Cardinals that we've seen are usually always stronger after they've dropped a second game. It's kind of like they figure all right, we need to right the ship, we need to get together. The difference is that they've always usually played a team like the Jets or had a three-team schedule last year at least against some pretty easy teams. They were able to kind of pull off some wins. This is against one of the best teams in the NFC. And I think the way that the Cardinals are trending, if they come out the same kind of game plan of, hey, we're not going to rush with Kyler, we're going to try to focus on, you know, taking what the defense gives. We're not going to, you know, push the arm too far. Then I think that this is probably a game that they're going to get uh, outgunned in. I'm not even talking about outcoached. I'm talking about outgunned just because of the offense that the Rams are capable of putting up and I think you your hope at least, John, is they can figure out a game plan where end of the day we're like, hey, look, they let Kyler run for seventy yards. You got two touchdowns that were there. Jared Goff threw two picks to him. That was the difference in the game. That's what the Cardinals need to have and have to be the focus this week, John. That's not unattainable. The big issue is if you do go out there and you don't kind of make these adjustments, then I think a lot of people are going to suddenly start jumping off of the Cardinals boat because they'll be like, well, look what's happening. As soon as Kyler took a hit, Cliff started turtling. They lost a lot of the season. They just weren't able to make some of those adjustments. And that's unfortunate if that's going to be the case, but it's why, when you drop three games in a row, what we've talked about is you drop two games in a row, it hurts because you lose a lot of that relevancy and things become unknown. You drop three games in a row, and it's not like you're knocked out, but you kind of end up being a little bit wavering back. Like you start to be on the ropes a bit, John. And that's what the Cardinals can't afford. It's any type of a loss that would turn into a knockout blow. And I think that you could technically drop this game and still be able to maybe, you know, win the last few games at least, get to the playoffs at eight and eight. But. I think what you want to do if you Arizona is, you know, take hold of the fact that you're going to play the Rams twice. If you beat them twice, you have a really good shot of finishing higher than the 7th seed and being able to get into the playoffs. And if you drop this game, you're at 6 and 6 and everyone's going to start to kind of look at the Cardinals and go, "All right, that that's the team that's that's the team that's going to fade." And that's what I think Arizona needs to first and foremost change by coming out and being able to have a dominant performance in as many aspects of the game as they can. Yeah, I
1: think if they win this game, it locks up their postseason spot. I feel very confident in saying that. You come out and you beat a, a good Rams team, and you move to 7-5. and, and uh, five. I mean, nothing's for sure.
0: 7-5 with two games left against the Eagles and against the Giants. And the, the Giants may not even have Daniel Jones for that game, John. So you
1: get a very beatable San Francisco team. Very I, there's no games on the schedule that they couldn't win. Right, that's kind of been the the theme of the season. Is they should be in every game, and they are outside of. They were non competitive against Carolina, but outside of that, they've they've been competitive in every game. The problem is they've lost three of four. Um, they haven't really had a stretch of quality wins, and by quality, I mean just um, I, I guess certainty. You know, not down to the wire. I mean, they they beat the Jets and the Cowboys pretty handedly back to back, thirty eight to ten uh 30 to 10 and 38 to 10 they haven't had a game like that where you're just kind of able to sit back and say yeah they've they've got this under control i mean every game since then has gone down to the wire they barely beat seattle 37 to 34 in overtime they lost to miami 34 to 31 they beat they lost they beat buffalo on the hail murray 32 to 30 they lost to seattle 28 to 21 but that went down into the red zone final possession and then of course losing to new england at the buzzer this is this is who they are which shows a sign of growth they had games last year a couple games they were blown out a couple games they should have won they didn't they're making progress and so I you Blake you and I were critical in our earlier pod this week but we we can you know a couple days later say that this is part of a maturation process I just think it's frustrating for a lot of us that we know what this team is capable of with Murray and you you should make the postseason you start five and two and you have this schedule posed to you the second half of the year you should make the playoffs. Um so I I don't think they're going to win this game. I'll give you my official prediction. I I think they're going to lose because I just I Kingsbury versus McVay scares me. Um until I see this team beat the Rams, I can't pick them to beat them. So I I'll say they lose something to the vicinity of like 25 to 21 or something like that. Um I just Aaron Donald scares me this Rams team is very physical the Cardinals aren't playing physical football right now um I even at six and six Blake I I don't think that they're um out of the playoffs race and I still think they get in um they have to go three and one down the stretch but a very reasonable schedule allows for that but I need to see this team play better and so I'll go against the grain say that they won't win in hopes that they do Blake
0: yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there, John, and most of the reason why I think I'm there is because it's there's a lot it feels like when you talk about with teams with confidence and trending down on some of those aspects. There's also just the fact that the Rams overall might be a bit as far as the when you're talking about an offense that's struggling, that's kind of seeming like it's lost its identity. When, if the Rams are able to look at the last two games, say, Hey, all we got to do is, you know, make sure Kyler doesn't run on us. And Cliff is, and if Kyler don't feel like that they want to win games where, you know, it's like, Hey, we want to make sure we're protecting you. We're not going to design or do as much for that one. It's going to be difficult because the Rams are only giving up at least about 19 points a game on defense this season, which is, you know, one of the best in the NFL. They're Cardinals the last two weeks. They've only averaged, uh, what is it, 17, what is it, 17 and, no, it wasn't even 17, I think, at least for that one. It was, um, oh gosh, I can't even remember the game of the Patriots last week, at least that one. Uh, They only managed, I think it was 21 points last week, 17, that's right, I was right, it was 17, 17 and 21. So that's right about where the Rams allow teams on defense throughout the year. We're talking about good offenses that come in, they just kind of get shut down in a lot of regards, they've been... Pretty on lockdown, and they put up about twenty-four points a game. So they're winning games not by, you know, a full touchdown, but they're winning games by essentially, if you take a look at how that lines up, okay. Rams are getting a touchdown rather than having to settle for a field goal. That's been one of the biggest differences that we've had. With the Cardinals, they were winning games originally by about 30 points, about 29 points or so, and giving up about 24. So the Cardinals were winning By a full touchdown, that has since changed, John. Because of the last couple of weeks, they're now only averaging about 27.6, about 28 points a game. So essentially, you're looking at, okay what is the difference in the last couple of weeks compared to what's previous to the Cardinals? The answer is, well, they're missing about three points. (laughs) Oh, well, why are they missing about three points? Because Zane Gonzalez is missing these makeable field goals. So I think the Cardinals, ultimately, John, in this regard, we talk about how things look as far as with special teams. I think this is where a lot of what Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals need to do is demonstrate solid coaching in this game and try to pursue at least that aspect of, hey, like, we are probably going to need a perfect game to beat a team like the Rams, Are we capable of that? And if they can show that they're capable of that, that is, I think, the confidence boost they'll need because otherwise you go in at least having to look for a confidence boost against the Niners, against the um, Eagles, against the Giants. That St. Louis, or excuse me, I almost said that again. I seem to do that even though they've already moved. That Los Angeles game that may or may not be in LA at the end of the year is going to be potentially a playoff game for the Cardinals to have to get in because teams like the... Vikings are coming on strong. You are going to be tied with them if they beat the Jaguars this week. And, uh, and and the rest of the NFC picture, at least, John, is all you got to do, I think, is get in. What's tough is that we were kind of looking at this Cardinals team and going, all right, who exactly are they? This is a kind of world-beating offensive team that – can, you know, dial up pressure or get turnovers one week and the next, they're you know, locking down the Patriots and struggling to get the ball downfield. I think if I had to pick at least, I think it'll be close. I've got it as a one point loss. I, if I had to predict what I think will happen, I think Arizona will put the team in position to succeed. They'll be able to take a win with a uh, essentially with a field goal by Zane Gonzalez, and I think that he'll miss again. I just and this is something where Zane, if he proves himself and is able to bounce back, um, then I think that will be the case. But so from from what we've seen, John, is that this Cardinals team is kind of, if they're not able to put you away, when it's come down into the clutch, they've essentially kind of shot themselves in the foot. And against a team like the Rams, um, even though Sean McVay can sometimes do the same, it's really hard for me to be able to see this team not wanting to uh, wanting to bounce back while then running into a Rams team that's looking to bounce back as well. And as we saw against the Seattle Seahawks in that second game, they just have not done well with teams that are good teams uh, coming off a loss. So I've got this as a final score, at least. of I've got it as Rams 22, uh, Cardinals 20. So what I have as the final score. I think that the Cardinals will be able to put up some points for that. I think that that will get in position. It'll just be rough, and I don't know if that's going to be it as far as with Zane or the other aspects. But I think if you're the Cardinals, you have to be able to – identify who's going to be the guys who are here who are going to make plays when it counts. Uh, I think that they've got some of those guys already. I think there's others that probably need to step up more. If you can be able to get a great game from Patrick Peterson on Robert Woods, if you're able to see Byron Murphy and Buda Baker do a great job on Cooper Cup where Jared Goff is no place to look, Vance is able to bring guys like you know Simmons or others on the Blitz, I think that they've got a really good chance to be able to win this game decisively. But, Right now, John, the way this offense is, unless they can figure out some type of magic or mojo to go back to who they were a couple weeks ago with Kyler hitting deep throws, with Kyler being able to run around the field, with them throwing the ball deep to DeAndre Hopkins, not just comeback routes. That, to me, I think is the biggest thing that you need to look for in this game, John, is... They need to be able to get some explosive plays down the field, and I think it has to involve DeAndre Hopkins. He's gone from getting, you know, 15 targets a game to, like, five catches on seven targets, and that can't be what the Cardinals are going forward. He is a crucial part of their identity.
1: Yeah, and, you know, what we saw earlier in the year is he was the entire Cardinal offensive as well as Murray's ability to run around. And then since then, you know, his role has Diminished a little bit, but they haven't been able to evolve. you We always thought that the Cardinals would need to evolve and not be so dependent on Hopkins. Well, they're not dependent on him now, but they're not doing anything else well, and that's the frustrating part. We thought, oh, maybe Isabella's. They are
0: still dependent on Hopkins. Then, is what you're saying? Then that's the problem.
1: Right. It's just not coming to fruition with the big plays now. um It's it's been a little while since he's had. A hundred yard game with multiple touchdowns, and you know it was outside of that Buffalo Hail Mary. I mean, it's it's it hasn't been there, and I think part of that is maybe the play calling. Kyler hasn't played particularly well. I mean, he's three of his last four games have been fifty five yards, fifty one yards, thirty yards. I mean, the Cardinals need Hopkins to be, you know, the 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 engine for the offense right now to kickstart a passing game that's not that's not clicking right now. Um, and so I have confidence in Hopkins and Kyler. I think Christian Kirk will play well. Generally, after Kirk disappears like he did a week ago, he he tends to have a big game. I think Dan Arnold's playing really well right now and is a nice security blanket. So uh, listen, the Cardinals have weapons. And I think that's what's frustrating about this offense, Blake, is every week we sit here and we're like, yeah, they could easily put up 40 points and, and we're not even sweating it. Or they could look dejected like they did against a bad New England team for three quarters and only put up seven points it just they can they make things look harder than they need to they can't pick up short yardage but then they can flip a switch and Kyler can look phenomenal the good news is if you're listening to this podcast on on Friday Kyler was a full participant in practice on Thursday um and so you would think another week to get that shoulder right he's heard the criticism all week about how he can't you know sit in the pocket and throw darts how his mobility is everything to him being successful I, I just think we need a special Kyler Hopkins kind of game and just say, okay, our rec- our number one receiver and our quarterback are better than anything you have mm-hmm. offensively. And we're going to come out and, and solidify that. And that's what they've done against great teams this year. It's just like, okay, you may have Aaron Donalds of the world on your defensive line, and maybe you've got really great players in your secondary. We have the most important player at the most important position, and we have the, arguably the best receiver in football. And on certain Sundays, that's enough to win. And the Cardinals, with the way they're playing defensively right now, they're getting a couple stops here and there. The Cardinals need to take advantage of that offensively. Will it be this week? You know, knock on wood, I hope so. But, you know, until they show it again and and rekindle that spark that they had, um, you know, it's just kind of a wait-and-see approach, Blake.
0: John, you mentioned at least as far as with the injury report, Cardinals are still a pretty beat-up team right now, which is not what you'd like to see. Obviously, you'd love to be able to see all these players be practicing in full. Uh, The thing that will be most interesting to watch for me at least is this will be kind of our last thing as we wrap up today. Justin Pugh is still limited here on Thursday, didn't practice on Wednesday, but Justin Murray is full. So if Justin Murray is able to go in at least for the most part, that I think will be good. The Cardinals at this point have had a – overall steady and healthy offensive line or they've had depth and guys who've able to play well besides that I think Dan Arnold is going to be a big key to this game the Rams have just not been great against tight ends and other matchup problems like that you can even remember last last year they had the similar aspect where they struggled at least to defend Arnold because they just didn't have the linebackers that could keep up and those safeties on a, a big guy was Very, very tough for a matchup. As we wrap up today, John, right now Larry Fitzgerald has still not been activated off the COVID list. There's a chance he could be activated tomorrow. But the Cardinals without him are essentially 0-1 so far. So just one last question as we wrap up today. Whether it's some sort of clutch ability, whether it's some sort of just being able to, you know, know the rules better like as we've seen earlier this year with how he's been able to get the ball and get the team set up whether it's just kind of an aspect of not having anyone good enough behind him he was the you know team's second receiver at least for that one <laughs> i think you want to look at this year um in the last couple of weeks as christian kirk has struggled to win against guys outside can the cardinals win without larry fitzgerald and if the answer to that is no then what should our concern level be you know moving forward if this is indeed his last hurrah with the team
1: they can definitely win with him. I love Larry. That's. I mean, it's not a Larry issue. It's an everything else issue. And are they better with Larry? They are because of his intangibles, his blocking ability, his intermediate ability to catch passes. I mean, I mean, is, is Larry better than Andy Isabella right now, who their third receiver is when Larry doesn't dress? Yes. So they're better with him than without him. But I don't think – I mean, if you're reliant on your offense being explosive when you have Kyler Murray and Hopkins – um and you're relying on Larry Fitzgerald that's a pro- that's a bigger problem especially when your offensive head coach is supposed to be an offensive savant and all this all this that and the other we've talked about it this team is too talented and too healthy offensively to not consistently put up big numbers they've they've got no excuse this weekend i love larry if larry doesn't play that should not prevent them from scoring 30 plus points what what will prevent them is execution play calling penalties kyler murray's health an ability to feed Hopkins, and then what, whatever the Rams are able to do defensively. Larry, to me, right now is not, of course, what he once was. You'd rather have him than not for this year. Um, having him beyond this year is a different conversation that I'm sure we'll have Blake, but I, they should be able to win because they've got Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Absolutely, John. That is the hope. We'll be back next week to talk about the game. This has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us, you can find us on uh, Google Podcasts. Spotify is one of the biggest things with our kind of podcast provider, Megaphone. They've just had kind of a brand new type of um, deal with them, which I think is exciting because it means that for all you Spotify lovers who've been getting those uh, end-of-the-year playlists out, becoming you in even more convenient ways in the future. You can also find uh, us on revengeofthebirds.com uh john where can our listeners find you and your content on twitter
1: yeah of course i'm at johnny venerable on twitter and then here on the rotb podcast as well as in the written form revenge of and i do a live post-game periscope show which you can access via my twitter and hopefully we haven't been able to do a fun one since that buffalo game blake so hopefully that changes this week
0: And that Buffalo game was almost a disastrous one too. So fortunate at least to be where the Cardinals are. We'll get to you on the other side of this weekend. This has been the ROTB pod.